Author Isabel Howe is today's guest. After a successful tenure as an investment banker at Morgan Stanley, she joined Omidyar Network to have more impact on education in the U.S. and abroad. Now she's writing a book. She'll share her insights about her superpower, generosity. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Isabel, so good to see you again. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. Thank you, Devin, for having me. And uh, allow me to thank you for all you do for social change. And I've loved, I've loved your uh, latest book, Superpowers for Good. So thank you. Oh, thank Thank you. you Thank you. you. It was so fun to feature you in that book. Uh, You know, you and I met uh, more than a decade ago when we were both living very different lives. You were at Morgan Stanley. I was the CFO of a global food and beverage company. And uh, our paths intersected as we were looking to get uh, some sort of a transaction done. And uh, you then went on to focus on impact at Omidyar Network. And now you're writing a book. I've written a book. It's fun to see the parallels in our uh, lives, as, as different lives as we've had it's interesting to see the parallels too. Uh, yeah, so. no, and it's also really nice to see, uh, you know, our friendship uh, grow over the years. So, yeah, no, it's it's wonderful, uh, wonderful to see how life intersects and uh, how yeah. someone has so many facets uh, that uh, in in their own competencies that they can leverage over time. Yeah. Well, thank you. And it, yes, it has just been uh, a joy to follow your. Uh, so successful career. And today you are working on a, a book. And hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. My, you know, I here I was telling you how to make your computer quiet and I can't even figure out how to make mine stop because I, uh, I closed the thing that's making the noise and it still managed. There it is. Okay. <laughs> I'm just the worst. I'm just the worst. Okay. Okay. So uh, let me come back to that question. Um, Isabel, you, you uh, in the current iteration of your life, you are focused on writing a book. Tell us about this book that you're writing. Yeah, and let me maybe give you a little bit of background on, the, on even the journey to, to, to write a book, um, which might be interesting and relevant for 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 some some um so when covid hit as you mentioned i was working um at imaginable futures um which is a the education venture of the omidia group funded by um, ebay founder pierre omidia and his wife pam and there was a growing disconnect in my own mind So on one hand, I was reporting to my board and my leadership team about all this amazing work that I was doing and, uh, uh, you know, all the millions of lives that my work was was changing. And then on the other hand, um, clearly growing inequities, exploding inequities everywhere. And I could not go on with that disconnect. I had to figure out for myself 
why why it was so was there a question of uh, you know strategy was was it a question of uh, of dollar that we were spending relative to the needs why was it um so i decided that i needed to step back and reflect a lot more systematically um and in doing that i'm like well maybe this process of reflection could you know, maybe be helpful for others. So why don't I try to translate that into a book, which is what I'm attempting to do right now. And uh, this has been a wonderful journey, and I'm sure we'll discuss more about it. Yeah, well, I am really excited to learn. I, I think, you know, what we've learned about education the process of education has really blossomed in the last 20 years. We're not where we were 20 years ago. And of course, in many ways, you've previously pointed out to me, the United States is not really the leader in, in this regard in some ways, because we underfund pre-K uh, as a, a specific, for instance. But um you know, you, you've been working in this space. Now, what are some of the highlights that you see about what we can do to educate people better, especially as young children? Yeah, so let me maybe start that education and the process of learning, as you and I know, but it needs to be repeated over and over again, starts with life. It doesn't start when a child enters school in kindergarten or first grade. It starts when a child comes to life. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, the brain, uh, the greatest amount of growth in the brain is within the first three to five years, but really it's in the first two to three years. Um, you know, the science is showing increasingly that the first two years of life are the most important in developing a number of um, of, um, of uh, competencies that will then um, be used in, in, later, in later life. So this period of life in learning is extremely, extremely critical. And as you mentioned, is very underfunded. Uh, the good news is, and this may be one of, frankly, the bright lights of this um, horrific um, crisis that we have been uh, all living through, uh, which is that uh, finally there might be some historical uh, public funding in the early years. Um, but we need, in the early years, we need to not only think about um, the formal environment, such as childcare, family childcare in particular, where most of the little ones are, uh, the formal environments about preschools and so forth. We also need to think about family. We need to think about uh, the home. We need to think about the parks. We need to think about all these, the grandma's homes, all these, all these, the variety of environments where little ones are. It's not only, um, you know, solving preschool. Uh, it's a variety of, um, of um, learning opportunities that a child has uh, yeah. in these early years. What, what do you see as being the news 
about the importance of relationships and how families play into a child's education. And maybe the follow-on question is, what do parents do to be better parents? Yeah. Um, so that, that I've been tracking the work of um, a phenomenal researcher named Dana Dimitriou at uh, Columbia University, who initially, when um, COVID hit, started to track um, how, you know, whether, whether COVID would be transmitted from mom to baby. That's what she was looking at initially, and she was uh, studying this at um, the New York Presbyterian Hospital. Good news is that she concluded reasonably quickly that there was no transmission. But then she started to um, observe a number of other concerning factors um, around, you know, the babies were a little bit more fussy and more detached uh, than what she had experienced before the, the pandemic. So she started to measure, and there is a measurement tool that we can use with a number of questions, um, what is called the emotional connection between the mom and the baby. And then what she found is really alarming, which is why I'm really, really focused on this question of relationship. She found a 50% drop in emotional connection between mom and baby since the beginning of the crisis. Wow. And what, then, what do and you think she, is the cause? So we don't really know why. Um, and the researchers are working on, on all of this. Uh, there are multiple hypotheses. So one is obviously stress. You know, we have all, all of us have been under greater amount of stress. Um, but certainly some families have been um, experiencing meaningful hardships. Uh, it could be material hardship. It could be emotional hardships with, um, you know, loss of family members um, or, you know, things of that sort. So stress in families has increased and could be one of the reasons. Another uh, factor that she looked at um, was mask wearing. Uh, so there's this very famous uh, experiment in the 70s uh, that was done called the Steel Face Experiment. Uh, there are lots of videos on, on this experiment that shows a little one with a mom, and if the mom doesn't look uh, and doesn't respond to the baby's needs, uh, the baby starts, you know, acting up. Um, so there was another hypothesis was could mask wearing be a reason? And so we ran some uh, some experiments on that. It looks like it might not be mask wearing, but who knows? Could it have been contributing a little bit? You know, yeah. that's another big uh, big one. A third one, and that's more like me uh, hypothesizing here. But um, uh, the fact that we have all been more isolated. Um, uh, you know, we haven't seen as many friends. Little ones haven't seen their own little friends. They have also not seen as many of their grandparents or family members. Um, may also be a contributor uh, yeah. to uh, to that ability to connect and attach to another adult. 
In other words, in my understanding, you're thinking that perhaps part of the lack of connection between mother and baby is that mom has been stressed out, stuck at home with the baby all the time, hasn't been able to get out to work or to socialize. And and so she may not be in the right place as a mother as a result of the pandemic. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And not having the right supports around her uh, to be in that right place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, by extension, all the people in her life are similarly stressed out by the pandemic and they're not there for her, perhaps in the same way they would have been in another crisis that was more idiosyncratic to her. Exactly. And what is really fascinating... um, (laughs) So so this researcher did one, you know, expanded the research scope one more step. She looked at different measures of um, cognitive and social emotional uh, development in the the babies. (laughs) And what she found is for the first time since we have used the IQ over the past 100 years, and IQ has been steadily going up, as you know, over the past hundred years. For the first time ever, IQ has been dropping in babies born during the pandemic. And so for me, this connection between the emotional connection, the relationship, and learning is very, very clearly in crisis right now. Wow. That is a profound and scary observation. Uh, So it's still early. You're still working on the book and the research for it. But what do you see as the remedies for these problems? Yeah, so I feel uh, uh, the way I've organized it in uh, or started to organize it in in my book is... um, um, uh, is actually quite complex because relationships are with multiple, uh, you know, people. So if you think, if you center the relationships around a child, first and foremost, as you um, obviously pointed out, to it's the family. But then it extends to the school teachers, preschool teachers, childcare providers. It extends to um, all the grand adults, mentors, coaches, religious figures in a child's life. Um, it also uh, involves little friends. Um, so friendship starts manifesting at around age two to three. Um, and those early friendships are very, very important to form future friendships or to keep those little friends forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, but they are actually quite important as well in, in, in child development overall. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you point that out. My, I have a brother who married his uh, best buddy from age three. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work out. It didn't work out. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> It was a good practice. He has a great wife now <laughs> that he's happy with. But, um, you know, you, you are uh, an extraordinary human being, Isabel. You, you, you really are. And you've had a, a profoundly successful career. And I'm excited about the work you're doing now. 
When we spoke last, I asked you about your superpower and you described it as diplomacy. And, and that made perfect sense to me. Your work at both Morgan Stanley and, and at uh, Omidyar Network would have demanded that, right? That you be proficient in that skill. As you move forward in your career now, it seems like maybe there are other skills that are coming to the fore that may be more important for you now than diplomacy. What do you see as the superpower you're using today? Yeah, and I would say I'm so grateful for uh, your book because it actually has helped uh, crystallize. I mean, I'm, I've, I've, you know, I read about all these other amazing um, impact leaders in your book and what they were featuring. And realizing that maybe I've also been evolving my own superpowers, if you like, or adding to my, uh, to my own skill set. And where I would like to go, um, I'm not sure I'm there yet, but where I would like to go is this concept of generosity. I think it's a, such a beautiful, uh, almost overarching, uh, almost a, the mother of superpowers in many ways. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah. that connects with others in a way that um, you know, encompasses humility, but also interest and curiosity um, and some and gratitude and many other aspects. So I just, I just love this concept that was obviously beautifully featured in your book. Mm. Well, thank you. I, I, it does seem to me that, that your your career as it evolves needs different skills at different times. And so developing a new skill, you're, you talk about generosity as your focus now. I think that's uh, profound. And I think it's, it is fundamentally one of the drivers for an author, right? To be successful, it takes so much investment, so much time, so much patience uh, to turn out a book. And clearly you've been working on your book for a year and you've got months of work ahead of you still. Um, so I can see why that would, would resonate. But as you think about your effort to develop the superpower of generosity, how do you connect it to the successes you've had in your life? Yeah. Um, it's the, the real, the realization that, um, as you grow in, as anyone grows in their career, that you have a lot of learnings to share, some good ones and some <laughs> maybe not as good ones, but that may be valuable as well. Uh, maybe the most, uh, the most important ones may actually be in the realm of failures. Um, um, and the reality that, um, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, and especially in the impact area, are very, very interested in those learnings. Um, and it's it's the learnings, but it's also the connections and the networks and the ability to provide advice at the right time on the right topics. Um, that's growing as um, so so much more evident as uh, as you age. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you're now spending a lot of time and energy, and it's been a while now that you've been working around education, uh, funding it, investing in it, studying it. Um, 
how would you think about teaching generosity as a skill, uh, not only to children, but also to adults? Because I think all of us could use a little more generosity. We could be better at that, all of us. How would you teach it? Uh, so, uh, you know, children, and that's part of our social brains as human beings, but children learn by um, uh, watching how others are modeling. So I would say that um, it starts with, um, you know, modeling to children. And this this could be a teacher in a, in a classroom, but this could be, um, a teacher in a home, meaning the parents, um, um, children are watching and they will replicate what the adults around them are doing. Um, it, it could be more formal around uh, practices of kindness, uh, reading books on, on, on kindness and generosity. You know, all those are very, very helpful. Um, I serve on um, two boards of two amazing organizations that do this very, very well. Um, one is uh, Think Equal, um, that has a social emotional curriculum. And um, that's exactly what they do is that they teach compassion and generosity and kindness. Um, uh, through books and uh, primarily and teachings that the teachers in, cl- in the early classrooms can uh, can leverage. And the other one is uh, someone you interviewed recently uh, who leads it, Better World Ed, uh, that does the same thing through video of, um, uh, of uh, humans around the world and featuring how, um, you know, our common humanity. So uh, there are different ways um, uh, one can, uh, there are, you know, multiple ways to teach, but the most important is probably the modeling of those values. Yeah, I think those those are uh, important examples. And uh I was just thrilled with the conversation I had that you mentioned with Abhi Nanja of Better World Ed. Uh, and I think you serve on the board of his organization. Uh, but yeah, these, these are important things to learn. Um, as you think about applying some of that, are there direct lessons, pointers, tips you would give to an adult about learning generosity whether it's 30, 50, 70, you know, it's never too late, I think, for us to learn to adopt a greater emphasis on a new skill. Are there things that you would advise us to do to better develop that skill? For me, it's saying saying yes to um, those requests that I get quite often on asking for, you know, whether it's advice or um, or, 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 or introductions and, and realizing that those networks that I have developed over my career are not mine. They are there. Just a question of um, I've had opportunities in my life to connect to into those networks but how can I leverage that privilege that I've had in, and, 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 and expand it to others? Those are not my relationships. They are something that 
I've had the privilege to get into. So um, changing maybe the mindset on ownership and um, and also the goals of um, um, it's not about my individual success. It's really about the impact that I want to see in the world. So and the realization, but it's not about me, it's about the collective we. Um, um, if um, we are hoping to even make an indent at some of those uh, broad impact goals. Oh, that's great. Um, Isabel, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to for this conversation. It's been very helpful to me. Uh, and I really appreciate your your thoughts about generosity. Uh, it's got me thinking about how to be more generous. Uh, and I'm excited to read your book. Uh, you know, as I think about the future of education, uh, I'm not an expert. Uh, you know, I, I haven't thought about education as a process much in the last 30 years since I finished my education. Uh, and so I'm very excited to, to see what the future will bring and how we can do that better and uh, the role of families in, in better education. That's an intriguing question. So, uh, Isabel, before you go, tell us a little bit about how people can be in touch with you. Uh, maybe share the instructions for subscribing to your Substack newsletter, et cetera, et cetera. But, but make sure people know how to get in touch with you and so they don't miss that book when it's published. Yeah, so I, I have started a few months ago to publish a weekly newsletter called Small Talks. Um, and so you can find it very easily if you type Substack, Small Talks, or Substack, I Isabel Howe uh, will come up straight away. Um, um, and it's free, um, and it provides a lot of um, uh, joyful information uh, about serious topics. Uh, um, uh, but it's a fun read, and... Um, uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback um, and really built a really wonderful community throughout that, 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 part, that effort. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to see. Yeah, and it is a great newsletter. I've been uh, reading it now for months and, and brilliant insights every week. And uh, slowly but surely, I'm, I'm learning about education again, and it's fun. So, Thank you. Uh, Isabel, uh, did you give everybody your Twitter handle? Did I miss yeah, that? my Twitter handle is a funny one. Uh, it's at Volcucu. Um, so it's a, it's a little different, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a French word? There is a reference to a French word, but uh, the story is a little bit more lame than than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe when the recorder's not on, I can ask you. <laughs> but uh, Isabel, thank you so, so much. Uh, we look forward to further conversation. I wish you every success with your new book. I can't wait to read it. And uh, I hope it's a bestseller for you. Devin, thank you as always. And uh, looking forward to uh, our continued friendship. Thank oh, you, Devin. Thank you. Now, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book. 
Superpowers for Good as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.